Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I want to go over what is happening uh, economically in our country right now so that we can then discuss further what that means to you as an investor. I'm looking at an article right here that says inflation is up 8.3% since last year, and more Fed rate hikes are likely looming. Uh, there's a picture here of the Fed chairman, uh, Jerome Powell, and he I've never seen a meaner mug on a mean mug picture in my entire life. This guy is upset. Now, why is he upset? Because the, the job of the Fed is to balance... And this is a tough balance between inflation and unemployment. And so what you have to understand is what I've read is that unemployment is much easier to fix than inflation. Why? Well, unemployment happens when the economy isn't running at full pace and it's not hitting on all cylinders. So what you do is you go fix those things and everything that you do, people like because it's stimulating the economy and things are getting better and people are happier. Whereas when you have inflation, nobody wants to see you attack inflation because the counter for inflation is recession. You have to take the economy back down. It's too hot. It's overblown. It's on fire and it's got to be cut down. So the Fed is in a position of needing to do that, and that doesn't make people happy. It doesn't make the government happy, the people, the political powers to be at the moment happy. It doesn't make people happy that much. But on the other hand, inflation makes people really upset. And so as we go into this inflationary situation, we have to think to ourselves, well, the Democrats came out and told us that, uh, well, it's, it's momentary inflation. And that was way back at the beginning of all this and said, you know, it's all from COVID. And now the supply chains are coming back online and people need stuff they haven't had for a long time. And so they're going crazy and buying stuff. And it's just momentary. And it will settle the stuff back out. Even many economists were saying that, I believe. Now, it turned out to be not be true. And inflation just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And then about a week ago, they came out and said, well, inflation has gone the other direction because two things went down. One, gas prices went down a little bit. And um, I think the other one was food or something. Now, gas and food are the two things that are not in the inflation measurement, what we call core index. They're not part of that. So those going down are a good thing, right? But they're not measured in the core index. And so... They thought they were going to see a change, that inflation was going to come down. The economists predicted the inflation would come down, and yet it really didn't come down. It came out with it just the other day uh, that it was 8.1 or something like that. It's in this article here somewhere, but it was right around that number. And that has led to all kinds of problems. Uh, what problems are that one? Well, they can see that the the stuff that the Democrats are doing, 
is creating real problems. And the fact that they've passed a couple more bills uh, and or the president has passed a few of his own declarations have created even more inflation. The last two bills they passed both will create more inflation and his uh, allowing kids to get out of or people to get out of uh, student loans is going to create more inflation. Now, they don't want to admit that, but any normal halfway intelligent human being can figure that one out. When you throw more money in the fire, and that's what it is, like throwing gasoline on the fire, when there's already too much money in the system and you forgive debt, what what people that don't understand business, which is probably every Democrat out there, is that when you relieve debt, that's the same thing as giving people free money, right? Same thing. So you're throwing more money into the system that uh, is going to just create more and more and more inflation. So where do we sit with that as investors? We're really happy. In fact, I think investors, the reason I don't, I don't really see why I can get involved politically is because both sides are just dumb as a rock. And the stuff that they do, it's just it's so mind-boggling dumb that I sit back and go, why am I even watching this stuff? In fact, I've even stopped watching the news lately because it's just killing me psychologically how dumb these people are. But the bottom line is, is that the stuff the Democrats are doing now, which everybody else is thinking is destroying life, is probably making it really good for us as investors. And why is that? Well, let's think about it. And I'm going to read a few paragraphs here, and then I'll, I'll follow up with this. Oh, by the way, the inflation rate, it says on here, is 8.3%. So I want to read, to reduce inflation down to benchmark target at 2%, the Federal Reserve has already implemented interest rate hikes in, in 2022, including two consecutive jumbo rate hikes of 0.75% in June and July. All right, so June and July, they've already gone up, you know, three-quarters of a point. The Fed fund rate is currently 2.25 to 2.50. It is widely expected that the Fed will implement another rate hike of 75 points when the Fed Open Market Committee meets again later in September. Beyond that, more rate hikes are likely, even if the rate of inflation is still not under control. So get this. This is kind of not only are they already planning another three-quarter percent rate hike, they're saying there may even be more than that this year if this thing doesn't get under control. So it reads on, it says, the baseline takeaway for consumers and businesses at interest rates have risen and are very likely headed substantially higher from here. What does that mean? While inflation erodes spending power, interest rate heights make the cost of borrowing more expensive, which can slow down economic growth and ultimately make it harder to find a job. For consumers, it also means that the cost of debt will increase for things like credit cards, auto financing, and personal loans. So there you have it. That's the crux of the article. But what does that really mean to us? What it means to us is, is that fewer and fewer people are going to be able to afford to buy a home. And as that happens, more and more people are going to have to rent. So as Real estate owners, we're going to find that there are going to be people, there's going to still be plenty of people to rent our units from us. People need housing. 
They can't just disappear. The worst thing that can happen is people can double up. In other words, you can move back in with your parents, and there's one less rental housing unit necessary in our society. But the bottom line is they're still out there. And the in the, the rental rates have not really fallen because of the fact that if everything else is getting more expensive, rental rates got more expensive also, and they're very, very high. So I've heard people say they're unsustainable. They're too high. They're unsustainable. Yet at the same token, where are people going to go? There's no place to live. Like I said, the worst that can happen is they double up. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, if people can't buy houses, the houses are sitting there. The people that want to sell houses are going to run into one of two situations. They're either going to have to hold on to the house because they can't get the price they want, or they're going to have to lower the price to get it to where someone who can't afford it will buy it. And when I say can't afford it, that means they can qualify for the loans to get the deal done. And the qualification is becoming more difficult because as interest rates go up, the payments go up, people don't qualify as easily for those payments. Now, interestingly enough, most people don't understand this, and that is for investors, although we have to qualify for a loan on a single-family home, the qualification is much easier. And say, why is that? Because we have rental income coming in to offset the debt. So, The reason you can only buy a certain size home for yourself is because you can only afford a certain size payment, and they won't lend you more than what you can afford to pay. But on a rental property, what happens is they're going to give you credit for the income from the rental property. So now if your income goes up, your ability to qualify goes up, and your ability to buy homes never ends. Today we're talking about the economy and how we're going to maneuver in it. As investors, as saying people trying to buy homes for themselves are going to have a much harder time to buy homes with this new higher interest rate environment that we're living in. However, investors are going to be able to qualify much easier for those loans because we have rental income to cover the additional cost of the higher payment. Now, let's take this for a second. You say, well, I may not want to buy this because maybe the cash flow is not as good because now I have to pay more interest then I won't have enough positive cash flow. Well, you may that may be true. There's not very much positive cash flow, but it may not be true. Now, let me take you back. When I first started investing in real estate, interest rates were 12%. That was way back in 87. And we only had $200 a month positive cash flow. Now, when interest rates were down to 3 and 4%, we were getting five and $600 a month positive cash flow. So it may drop back down to $200, $300 a month positive cash flow. It may not be very... Uh, have a very high positive cash flow. But here's the difference. When interest rates are very high, prices go down. And by the way, I own real estate companies in seven states, and I have three more states right now that we are trying to get our license set up in, so it will be in 10 states. I just want you to realize that we're all over the country right now. And what we're finding is all over the country, where we're at, prices are going down. Typically, we first started seeing deals that were in contract falling out and being retraded for 10% difference. Now we're seeing prices being offered on the open market 10% below where they were being offered six months, a year ago, but being tr- negotiated down another 10%. So we're seeing 
anywhere from a 10 to 20% reduction in the cost of the very same real estate we were looking at. You say, well, that means we're losing money in real estate. No, it means you're losing money in real estate. The home you live in is going down in value. So, well, Dell, why is it yours going down in value? Because I'm not selling mine. This is not a sale time. This is a buy time. And so when you buy, whether it be a house, an apartment complex, and it's really prevalent on the apartment complex, when you buy an apartment complex and you have very high interest rates, they're going to make you, uh, they're going to have to make the price low enough that the bank will allow the deal to go through. The bank's going to try to get you to put more money down and have less leverage so they have less risk uh, and so that you can make the payment. But eventually, even that is going to push the sellers to have to lower the prices or these deals won't sell. Now, people aren't going to want to sell. Investors aren't going to want to sell for a lower price. But when their loans fall out or come to an end, most commercial loans are two, five, seven, or 10-year-long loans. So thousands of loans will come due this year that will end. And they have to go find new money. They have to refinance those loans. And when they find out the interest rates are now five and a half to six, and they went into that loan at two and a half to three, they're going to find out this deal doesn't cash flow. They're going to find out they may not even be able to get a loan. And they're upside down on that property. When that happens, these deals are going to be fire sailed. And we're going to be right there ready to buy them. And we'll buy them at higher interest rates, but we'll buy them at lower prices. What you need to understand is, is that if you look at the long haul in this whole picture, paying a lower price is a better deal than getting a lower interest rate. Now, when interest rates were going down, we were thinking that was the greatest thing in the world. Everybody else was. I wasn't. They were thinking it was great because they could now afford deals. But what was happening is because the interest rates went down, the sellers raised their price. And so everybody thought that real estate was just skyrocketing up in value. It was just woo going up. But it really wasn't. It was just going up because interest rates were going down. And sellers were able to get away with selling it higher because it still cash flowed. It still made sense economically to the banks. But now the interest rates are going up. It's not going to make economic sense to the banks, nor probably to the buyers, they're going to have to lower the prices. So if they come to the end of their loan and they got to make a decision what to do and they can't refi, they're going to have to sell. And when they do, it's going to be at a lower price and we're going to pick it up. Now, so we'll dealt, we're stuck then in a longer or in a higher interest rate loan. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take loans that are only two years to maybe at the longest five years, depending on what you think this cycle will go through. And we're going to get into those loans. At the end of those those that period, we're going to refinance out of this high interest rate loan. I think five years would get you through this. I think it's going to be about a five-year cycle, negative cycle here. Um, you got the Dems, you got, what's his name, Biden in there for another two years. So you got at least two more years of negativity. And then you got to come out of the negativity enough that the Fed says, okay, we can drop interest rates now. In fact, we need to go into a recession, which will probably happen by the beginning of next year, if it doesn't happen by the end of this year. And we go into recession, then they might start just holding interest rates. 
And if they get in a real bad recession, they might start dropping interest rates. Now, think how sweet it would be that if you go out there and buy a property 10, 20, 30% below what it would have cost you right now or six months ago. And you've got this high interest rate, which is making your cash flow difficult, but possible or the bank wouldn't lend you the money. And then all of a sudden interest rates go down. Then what happens? You refinance out to the lower interest rate and buku tons of cash flow. What does the tons of cash flow mean? It means value. It means the value of the property has gone up and your ability to sell it for much more than you bought it for is immediate. So my friends, where most people are thinking this is a terrible, terrible time for real estate, I'm thinking this is a fabulous time for real estate and I intend to keep buying. In fact, I just closed on a deal. Uh, let's see, what was it? It was last week, I guess. Last week, I just closed on another commercial deal. And uh, I've got two more of them lined up that I'm looking at right now because I'm just negotiating and negotiating and negotiating. If people go, well, I'm not going to go that low, I go, okay, no problem. I'll see you at the other side of another three-quarter point price or interest rate hike. Then we'll see how you're talking. Now, I've done that. And I've seen prices come down 10, 20 percent, 30 percent on the deals I'm going after. And each time I just say to them, I get it. I wouldn't want to sell either. Don't insult you. I'm not going to insult you. Just bottom line is, hey, put my name and telephone number down. And when the interest rates go up again and my number sounds like the right number because there's nobody else out there going to pay any more than I am, then maybe you want to give me a call. And that's how I keep getting deals, lower and lower and lower price deals. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I've got some other information I want to share with you so you don't want to miss out. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Not because that's the way it's set up, but because of the knowledge. When put into action, knowledge is power at Lifestyles Unlimited. We empower you to live the lifestyle of your dreams through passive real estate income, For over 30 years, our successful members share their knowledge through case studies, classes, and mentoring. Tap into the knowledge. Attend a free workshop online. Register now at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. The next topic I want to cover is uh, a topic that someone sent me an email on. He was trying to remind me about the fact that I was talking about Dave Ramsey the other day and the things that he says to do that are wrong, one of which was paying your home in full. And I made the point that if your home is paid in full, that's debt equity. That capital is doing nothing for you. It's not paying you anything. You're not getting any um, cash flow from it. You're not getting tax benefits from it. It's, just, it's a bad financial decision. 
But he pointed out something that made me think down a whole different line that I used to bring up all the time. And because I don't do the seminars anymore, I forget a lot of the, the points that I used to bring up. And he brought up a good one. And it made me think of another good one. So the point he brought up was how unsafe it is to have your money in a paid in full home. And he makes the point that, okay, so let's say you got your $400,000 in a paid in full home and you lose your job. Well, if you had that $400,000 in the bank, you'd have no problem. You would just go on down the road, live off the $400,000 and pay your mortgage payments. But because it's paid in full, you don't have any money. And even though you don't have to pay a mortgage payment, you still have property taxes, insurance. Uh, you still have groceries to buy, you still have clothes, you have utilities, and so on and so forth. So the bottom line is, is that you can't pay any of your bills because you don't have any money because all your money's tied up in that house. But he makes his point is you can't get that money out of that house. If you lose your job, you don't qualify for a loan. And hence, that money's stuck in that house. Your only choice Sell your home. Think how devastating that is. You say, well, I, you know, I like the security of knowing my house is paid in full. There's no security there. There's no security there at all. You lose your job, you're done. You're going to have to sell that house. Now, if you had the money, you wouldn't have to sell the house. If you owned an apartment complex with that $400,000 and paid out $10,000 a month, you wouldn't even mind losing your job because you'd have enough to pay the mortgage payment and all of your expenses to live. You'd be able to retire. But because you have that paid in full home, think of the cost of that to you as a human being. You lose the ability to move. You lose the ability to have other stuff. You lose the ability to have investments that could retire you. You lose the tax advantages of having all those investments. It's a massive disadvantage to have a house paid in full. Now there's one more. And he didn't bring this one up, but didn't remind me of this one I used to talk about. And that is lawsuits. If you own your home free and clear, they can sue you for your home. Now, in some states like Texas, you can have a homestead exemption that I think that they can't get to your home. Whether or not they can get to you on your home because it has a homestead exemption or not, the bottom line is having a free and clear home is a giant target for you. People see that, you know, when an attorney wants to see you, they look to see if you have any assets. And the most obvious asset that they can see very clearly is that you own a home and that there is no mortgage assigned to it. So it makes you obviously someone they might want to go after. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about one uh, that's very important. I went through a divorce with my second wife, who I had my child with, and she went out and got what was considered the baddest attorney in town. And even though he was the baddest divorce attorney in town, uh, and he was, <laughs> He, he didn't understand real estate, so he advised his client not to go after the real estate in our net worth. So if you look at this situation, what happened was is that I owned about 40 houses. The homes, when I purchased them, were all bought at around twenty-five to 30000 bucks a piece. They had debt on them. They all had 90% debt on them at the time. And the value of these homes was really much higher because they were really worth about 50000 bucks a piece. He, even though I paid twenty five to thirty thousand each for them, uh, because I bought them at such steep discounts during the eighty seven, eighty eight, you know, uh, debacle, real estate debacle. So he said to her, you know, my personal residence, which is a really nice home, much larger home, she couldn't afford to pay the payments if she took that over. So she didn't want that one, and she could not afford to pay those payments no matter what I paid her in child support. 
Um, so I kept my own personal residence. The second thing was, and besides that, I owned it before the marriage, but it, it didn't matter. They're, they're going to go after whatever you, they can get. But when they went after these investment properties, he told her, don't take the ones that have debt because you don't want all that debt in your name. And if you don't make that, those payments, you know, they could foreclose on them and, you know, ruin your credit and all this stuff. And that there was one house that was paid in full that I bought. So he said, go after that one house. And so we negotiated that I would keep the other 39 houses. She'd get the one paid in full home. And that's how we negotiated the deal. Well, the one paid in full home was worth about 40,000 bucks. And I paid 40,000. It was probably worth about 70,000 bucks. So she came out okay. Um, but I walked away with a million dollars worth of real estate because they just didn't understand that the houses were worth more than what I paid for them. They didn't understand that the debt wasn't something to be afraid of. And they were, and she was afraid of the debt. And so they just left them alone. And that's the way I think these situations work. Many of the cases is that you get into a situation where if you have a lot of debt racked up against your investment properties, nobody's going to want them. They're not going to come after them that way. Only when there's a lot of equity are they going to actually want to come after any of that stuff. So I would suggest to you this guy's making a point that a paid in full home not only is a bad investment, but a painful home is a risky invest investment because you can't get the money out if you ever need it because the very moment you need the money is probably because you don't have a job. And without a job, you can't go refinance it. You can't get the money out unless you sell it. It might be because there's a recession and the houses are crashing all around you and you lost your job and now the house doesn't have any value anymore and the money that was in it is all lost or a very large portion of it. Whereas if you had debt on it, and you only had a little bit of equity in it, and the house lost a lot of value, you could give it back, or you could keep it and make the payments on it because you got income coming in from an apartment complex, or you just simply have cash in the bank. My friends, the Dave Ramsey concept of paying your home in full is one of the worst financial investment decisions you can possibly make. Not the best. You're not going to sleep better because of it if you have any common sense. Maybe if you're ignorant to all of the possibilities that are out there in this world, good and bad from your decision, if you're that ignorant, maybe you sleep better because your house is paid in full. But I'm telling you, if you understand what you're missing out on by not having that money invested correctly, what you have at risk by having all that as a big open target for people to see, then I think that you would actually understand that that's a very bad decision. Now, I brought all this up when I brought up some points about some other bad investments. I said, here are a bunch of bad investments. And the, the next bad investment was condo. And the only thing worse than a condo is a portion of a condo called a timeshare. And those are really bad. You want to stay away from condos and you want to stay away from timeshares. Absolutely. You don't own the real estate. You own airspace. You are, you own airspace inside of a building that somebody else owns. You don't own it. Okay. So it's not really a real estate investment. It's really just, it's a scam is what it really is. Believe it or not. I've seen more people lose more of their money in real estate investments and condos than any other type of investment out there. Bar none. Now the last one, that I'm seeing is real problematic lately are these timeshare or these um, 
Airbnbs. I've had people ask me about Airbnbs for the last couple of years, and I've told them, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And now, you know, it's coming to roost. What what do I mean by that? Many, many associations, homeowner associations are outlawing them, not allowing them to be there, and people are getting stuck with homes that they own in those associations. States, counties, cities are outlawing them. Before long, they are going to be a thing of the past. That's okay, except for all you guys that bought them and watch the bottom fall out of the value for these properties once you take away the ability to bring income to them. Because once they outlaw it being used as Airbnb, you were valuing it as an a investment-valued property, and now it's just, who wants to live there? What are they willing to live there? And that may not be anywhere near as much as somebody's willing to pay to earn income, especially income where people are paying by the week or the weekend and and multiple, multiple, multiple high, high rents month after month, day after week after week, month after month, and so on and so on and so on and so on. Now just turn that back to a regular house and what's it really worth? Not nearly as much. See my friends, real estate isn't a good deal unless you do it right. With me here today is Lee Reeves out of, I believe, Kentucky. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dell, for having me on. We're down in Nashville, Tennessee, although I'm up in Kentucky and I uh, was born and raised there. Ah, I got you. So, Lee, you are a perfect example of invest where you want or need to and live where you want to. Uh, I want to get into that at the end here, and uh, let's start with, if you would, you've got a seminar coming up here, and I want to make sure people that are just listening to the uh, end of the show here get that. Uh, Go ahead and tell them where you're going to be having a seminar next, and uh, then we'll get back into your topic. Yes, sir. Well, I've got two coming up right away. I've got uh, Richmond, Virginia this coming weekend, and after that, on October 1st and 2nd, uh, we'll be doing a two-day seminar here in Nashville, Tennessee in the Nashville area, and so that's great for new members in the region and also anyone uh, who would love to visit Nashville. Wow. I should come just to go to Nashville to see the music. It's a lot of fun. All the country western music over there. So um, let's talk about this for a second here. I mean, you've got these seminars all over the country now, and I think the reason that you fit so well with that part of our, our company is that you, that's the way you came into lifestyle. So why don't you share the story with people about how you got into lifestyles? Because it's a really indirect route that turned out to be very, very productive. It is an indirect route. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of had a threshold moment when I lived in New York City. I was a practicing attorney up there, and um, some circumstances made me kind of reevaluate and think, gosh, there's got to be a better way. And I found Lifestyles Unlimited, and I took your course. Uh, this was uh, 2011. I took your course, your two-day seminar, the one that I now teach, uh, online. Uh, but it wasn't the kind of online that we do now. It was a recording, and, and I did that over a weekend. Ended up joining uh, shortly thereafter and uh, bought some single-family houses out of state. Uh, in order to make it work. You can't do that in the middle of New York City. Uh, and it worked. And, it, and everything you said uh, to do, I did. And, and, and it worked, and I proved that concept. And then uh, within 
Uh, a year, we had moved down to Houston, Texas, uh, wanted to kind of get into a better cost of living situation. And over the next uh, seven years there, uh, I listened to what you, you know, taught and, and, and the other mentors and other people within Lifestyles. And over that period of time, gosh, uh, quadrupled my network. And, um, you know, then our oldest daughter, who uh, when we moved to Houston, she uh, just started kindergarten. Uh, believe it or not, Dell, this year she just started high school. And uh, we moved up here into the Nashville area to get closer to home um, a couple years back. And uh, we love it. We love it, and we and we are able to operate our uh, our real estate and uh, implement the plan that you taught to me uh, up here as well. Well, it's an amazing story, and there's so much I would like to talk to you about with such so little time to do it. So I'm going to try to cherry pick some things here. First of all, sure. how many apartment complexes have you done so far? Uh, let's see. I've done one, two. It's it's weird that you have to count uh, one, two. Three. I took five on my own. Um, and then, of course, I've invested with other uh, lead investors, is what we call them within Lifestyles. Uh, I've invested in probably five others as well, four or five. All right. So you've got a lot of experience to bring to the teaching model, and mm-hmm. uh, you've mm-hmm. also done some single-family stuff. So I wanted to get that out, that you know you do have a lot of experience as you're out there teaching these classes. The second thing was is that you started out of town even before we had the model of being national, and now we're national. And so you came here because it really puts you closer to the the center of all this investing. And then once we created the national model, you decided, hey, well, I'm going to take advantage of that and go where I want to live, and you move to where your family's at. So that's another point I want to get across, and I think it's really important. Now I'm going to give the one, I'm going to throw the ball back in your hand because I wanted to drop this one on you and see what you did with it. Uh, I did a show a long time ago about cats in the cradle, and you said that your dad talked to you about cats in the cradle when you were a kid. Tell us what that means to you. Yeah, he did. Uh, You know, it's a a famous song uh, about how the dad was working so much that, um, you know, he really missed a lot of time with his kids. And, you know, my my dad was very conscious that he was a uh, single parent. Um, and, and so he, he tried to carve out that time, and, and, and that, that model has stuck with me, and, and I know you talked about that in the previous show as well. Uh, I want to spend time with my kids. You know, I've got three. Um, it really hit me this year, uh, Dell, that my oldest, who, who just started high school, I've got four years with her before she leaves the house. And, um, you know I, know, I know one of your daughters has uh, had a lot of success recently in the bodybuilding world, and it's just so awesome to see your kids do those things and, and perform well in life, and, and, and you hope you have some influence on that. My, my second daughter um, just started middle school this year, so that's a whole other thing. And my son is six, and um, I'm doing scouting with him, which means – uh, that I'm doing crazy stuff like sleeping in tents and hoping my back makes it. Uh, but but it's it's the time that you just can't get back. And, and being a real estate investor, you know, I make money even when I sleep uh, or not sleep in a tent. Uh, but but you you know it, it allows you to do those things in life and spend the time uh, with your kids and your wife and and your family that uh, that I never had when I was working. When I was working, I was working 16, 18-hour days. Wow. Now, well, that's so important. It's totally different. 
I'm so glad that you were able to share that with everybody. One more time before we uh, end this segment, let's go over where you're going to be, when, and how to get in touch with you if or with uh, us so that they can get to these seminars. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to go to the Richmond, Virginia seminar this weekend, uh, it's the 24th and 25th, uh, or if you want to go to the October October 1st and 2nd uh, seminar in Nashville, Tennessee, go to lifestylesunlimited.com and register there. All right, Lee, thanks a lot for coming on. The rest of you out there, remember this, Lee, myself, and all the Lifestyles members, we don't do this for some money. We do it for a lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.